Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are going to be getting into R.J. Barrett today. He had a slow start again this year. What have we learned since December 1st when he's been playing quite a bit better? Why he's perhaps a way better finisher than the numbers might suggest if you just look at them on the surface, and how we value him going forward, especially with the all-important trade deadline on the way. And R.J. now on a, a new contract most likely this would be a scenario for this summer, but still worth talking about next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you're not already, be sure to hit subscribe and the little notification bell on YouTube or subscribe and enable auto downloads on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. We're here five times a week, so there's plenty of times to listen on your daily commute or throughout your day. Anyway, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's Like This Strickland, which you can find at Strick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And as we said in the tease, we are talking R.J. Barrett today. Gavin, uh, another up-and-down season for R.J. so far this year, uh, one in which he started off so slow and yet has really picked things up of late. And with that unfortunate hiccup in the middle where his finger uh, exited his body for a minute, uh, other than that, things are looking pretty great for him since December 1st. And uh, it's been kind of a revelation once again. Yeah, the the divide is is pretty stark, Alex. So pre-December 1st, played 22 games, averaged 19 points, five rebounds, three assists. But here, here's where the gap comes in. He was shooting just 40% from the field, 28% from three, 78% from the line. Since December 1st, that's a total of 21 games. He's averaging 22 points per game, six rebounds, three assists, 46% from the field, 40% from three, 73% from the line. So you're, you're looking at a completely different player. And as we're going to break down, Alex, it's not just the three-point shooting that's changed. It's it's pretty much every spot on the court he's shooting better. And, and that starts at the rim. And to me, at least, that really backs up what we've seen on film from him where he's creating separation easier. And I don't know about you. I, I think it ultimately boils down to better decisions, when to shoot, when not to shoot, and, and just a, a, a greater cognizance. I'm like, I think it was it, it was Steve Jones who um, uh, co-hosts the Dunker Spot podcast, who's, who's a much follower for anyone who watches the NBA. Like he broke down a play from their game against the Cavs last night where RJ just, he was, he had a, 
a guard on his hip. I think it was Garland. And then he had Jared Allen at the rim. And he's just taking an extra beat now. Like whether that's to actually finish. In this case, it was just to get the bump from Jared Allen and to draw a foul. And he has the patience to string out plays to the point of torture for big men, putting them into a bind and in turn, either creating an open shot or getting them to bite on a pump fake and, and getting to the line. And it, it just feels like an extra bit of maturity for him. And it's still tough to pin down exactly what goes wrong for him at the beginning of every year. Like this year, like last year, we heard he got sick again. So who knows what the case is, but for whatever reason, like something, something's flipped and he feels like there's, there's just been a leap in, in terms of how confident he is in those shots at the basket. Yeah. And you know, don't take our word for it though. Let's, let's throw a few stats out here and see what we can, what we can figure out about how he's been doing so far this year. Or especially since since December first, I felt like that was a good point to zoom in on. First off, I love nice even numbers like that. So the start of a new month. But secondly, there was like a huge shift in the way that he started playing for the Knicks right around that time. So I, I think it's a good point to kind of look in on. Uh, so we'll we'll go through a couple just quick easy stats first. He's still only shooting fifty nine percent at the rim uh, in that stretch, which is not ideal yeah i think you want to see over 60 percent, perhaps even closer to 65 percent uh obviously we've seen guys like brunson i think quickly is is shooting quite well at the rim although i don't have the the number right in front of me at the moment but guys like that are are finishing you know more in the 60s so to be below 60 percent, still not the absolute best that puts him in the 29th percentile among wings per cleaning the glass in that time frame however that is a four percent improvement from his total numbers last year. Uh, I also wanted to zoom in on the the his ability to draw fouls, which I think have gotten better. And, and one specific aspect of it has gotten better, Gavin. So his shooting fouled percentage, uh, again off cleaning the glass since December first, which is the percentage of attempts that RJ is fouled on. And I think I've referenced this number before. I forget if it was for RJ or not, but it was during one of our preseason. Uh, uh, things that we were looking at. But so he's at 16.6%. So on 16.6% of his of his field goal attempts, he gets fouled. Uh, that is the 94th percentile among wings, which is fantastic. He's very close to being the standard bearer. Uh, he also had last year 14.7% of his shot attempts over the course of the whole year, which was also good for the 94th percentile. So I guess the league as a whole is getting slightly better at drawing fouls than last year. Uh, but then his and one percentage. So this is, of course, the percentage of times that RJ makes a shot when he gets fouled is now at 27.7% since December 1st. That is the 53rd percentile. And now that shows quite a bit of improvement. So on the year as a whole, he's at 21%. Uh, so that shows that he's had about a 7% improvement in finishing through contact as the year has gone on in the second half of the year here, but also was only at 20.3% last year, which was the 42nd percentile. So again, seems like the whole league is getting slightly better at finishing through contact, I guess. But basically that means he's getting to the rim about the same this year as he did last year, but he's finishing through contact better, which I think is starting to finally show through uh, because we're starting to see where he's not only getting free throw attempts now, but, also getting more and ones than he used to, which is particularly valuable when you consider that he's still not the best free throw shooter in the world. So I think that for him to be a, a truly efficient scorer, it's going to require not just drawing those fouls, but finishing through them more, which he is starting to do. 
So to, to me, the area that really stands out is short mid-range, which cleaning the glass defines as, as four to 14 feet from the basket. And, and, and this was an area where he's, he's pretty much struggled his whole career on and off, was, was, was much better his second year in the NBA, but didn't get a, an insanely high volume of attempts there. Because if you remember, he got turned into a little bit more of a, a spot-up three-point shooter that season. Um, but that was our kind of like the crux of our concern for RJ coming out of the draft. And honestly, offensively for, through his first three seasons was – does this guy have touch? And if he doesn't right now, is that something you can teach? And and the data on that is is sort of mixed, but it feels like he's made a leap in that. And the numbers as of now uh, back that up pretty cleanly. So last season, he was only at 30% on his short mid-range shots. This season overall, he's 37% from that range. But since November 30th, um, he's 40% from short mid range. So that is, that is a 10% leap from last year, which like, I, I, I know, I know we're throwing a lot of numbers at you guys and it's like, it's hard to keep track of every little thing, but that is a, just a monumental jump in, in terms of efficiency. And to me represents like, it, that just feels sustainable, right? Even, even if like, it's not quite to that high, he's probably like six or 7% better Especially when you, again, you you watch him play, and, and you you can see. I mean, this this was a point that um our, our friend uh, uh, DP made on Twitter last night. Like he's operating off of two feet so much more. And Prez has stated this in the past. Like he he's better when he kind of uses like a shorter like trajectory and less of an arc on his shot. And it it feels like he's maybe maybe he's practicing pop a shot in his spare time, Alex. But on those one foot push shots, like four to eight feet from the basket. It just feels like he has that down. And it's kind of interesting to me because I think a big part of that percentage going up is even last year, like we still saw him snaking pick and rolls and trying to get to the elbow to shoot. And he wasn't very good at it. And instead of like, kind of like, I guess, banging his head into the wall, it feels like he's just sort of abandoned that shot from his repertoire. And and in my mind, like, I don't think he really needs it. Like if he's going to hit threes at a high volume, if he's going to get to the rim, like as well as like, pretty much anyone in the NBA outside of like 10 to 15 guys. Like I'm fine with him just having a floater game and him not really having much of like a long mid range game. Yeah. And it's worth noting that by getting up to uh 36, 37% for mid range, Julius Randall two years ago when he was a mid range, God shot in the low forties, you know, so that, that is a huge improvement and that's getting your way towards being, you know, about as good as, as you could be from that range, the best guys in the league. Uh, only shoot around 50% for mid-range. Like, it's just, it's a tough shot to make, but an essential one for a scorer uh, to add to their repertoire if they want to become a well-rounded scorer. But there's there's perhaps something else that is even uh, crazier to look at here. Uh, B-Ball Index, one of, the, one of the best places out there, had a really eye-popping stat about, well, an eye-popping set of stats about R.J. Barrett's finishing uh, and there's some notes about his Kobe assists in our next segment, uh, which if you're not familiar with what Kobe assists are, we'll explain that for you, too. But that's coming up in just a second. First, I do just have to remind everybody real quick that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new, 
To FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Uh, Same-game parlays are my favorite. I'm going to plug it until the games happen this weekend. I'm definitely going to be putting a same-game parlay on the AFC Championship game between Mahomes and Burrow, the Bengals and the Chiefs. I think there's going to be a lot of offense in that game, and those are always the most fun games to place the same-game parlay. But if you're a Knicks fan, too, and you want to do it, often I'll do like Julius Randle's three-pointers made, R.J. Barrett over a certain number of points. And you could very quickly rack up some very high odds and very high payouts for yourself if you happen to hit them. It, it makes for a pretty fun watching experience. So all that's also on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans and basketball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back to to continue talking about R.J. Barrett, the stats that have defined him so far this year. And I pulled this I literally in our in our notes document. I was like, that's way, much too much to transcribe. I am just going to take a screenshot of this awesome tweet that B-Ball Index sent out the other day. If you're not following him on Twitter, uh, it's they just drop tons and tons of amazing numbers all the time, all for free, although you can also subscribe to an awesome uh, service that they have for premium NBA stats. But uh, at the underscore b-ball underscore index on Twitter. Definitely check them out. But uh, there's some pretty eye-opening stats here, Gavin, about RJ's finishing. You know, like I just mentioned a second ago that he is only in the 29th percentile among wings at finishing at the rim, and that's only in his really good stretch right now. Like, that's since December 1st. However, for the entire season, b-ball index has R.J. Barrett rated as an A in finishing talent. And here's a few numbers that maybe go into why that is the case. So R.J. Barrett's total shots at the rim per 75 possessions, 6.4, which is the 86th percentile. His unassisted rim field goal attempts per 75 75 possessions are 4.6. That puts him in the 96th percentile in that number. Uh, His rim shot creation according to B-Ball Index, is, I'd be lying if I said I know what this number means in a vacuum, but plus 1.1, which is good for the 91st percentile. Uh, So he's 91st percentile rim shot creation. Uh, But the numbers that perhaps are the most illuminating here. So his rim shot quality is considered a minus 1.6, which is in the sixth percentile in the NBA, his rim shot making is a plus one, according to B-Ball Index, where they adjust for things like shot quality uh, to figure out you know, what your, your true skill level is at such a thing. Uh, he is in the 83rd percentile for rim shot making. Therefore, they've, given, they've placed him in the 92nd percentile overall for finishing talent. Uh, and obviously super high. 90, 91st percentile as far as rim shot creation. So all that is to say, it seems like RJ is getting quite a bit better and perhaps just the difficulty of shots is what's 
leading to his overall percentages not being the best. But Gavin, right before we started recording, you found a fantastic stat that applies to both RJ and Julius Randle that might go towards explaining some of that. So it's there's this fascinating dichotomy with the Knicks, right? Where and we we just talked about this two episodes ago when we were saying how valuable Mitchell Robinson is, um, or maybe three episodes ago now. Time not real, um, but Mitch is. I mean, in, in terms of net rating, he's, he's the single most valuable guy on the team. And yet, offensively, at times, it feels like he is a massive deterrent just because he takes up so much space in front of the rim. And most NBA teams, at the very least, have have a look, right, where they can get to five-out spacing in the Knicks uh, because Isaiah Hardenstein's a small sample size of, of, of 33s attempted and 14 made a year ago. That, that That's how much I was counting on that stat. I haven't memorized from this summer. Um, did not really translate to the Knicks. So there's always a five man at the rim. And a lot of times with the way Julius Randle's playing this year, which is great and being more aggressive and playing more inside, like he's around the rim. And at times, like he's not respected as a shooter. So even when he's outside, like guys are still playing inside. All that is to say, like there's a reason RJ's quality of shot at the rim is so low. And it's be- one, it's because he doesn't have nuclear athleticism and he's not getting like Anthony Edwards type se- separation from guys or John Morant type separation from guys. Um, and two, there's just a lot of bodies there. But that's not always a negative thing because as as much as it keeps RJ from being kind of an elite echelon finisher in terms of his efficiency, it does lead to a lot of second chance points, which which can otherwise known as Kobe assists, which is when a a shot that you miss directly leads to a putback for someone else. So last season, RJ was second in the NBA in that stat in terms of shots he missed that led to makes. Um, This year, he's sixth in that stat. I thought it was interesting. Julius Randle is third in the entire NBA. And that's that. I'm curious, Alex, if if, if Kobe assists count, if it's to the, to yourself, because Julius gets a whole lot of those, right, where he misses and he's the one who puts them back in. But irregardless, it tells you that he's creating points even when he's missing shots. And that's where, like, he's at, at the rim percentage, which, as you know, I think, what was it? It's like 29th percentile in the league still. Like, it, it is misleading. He is, he is creating points even when he is not the one scoring them. And to me, at least, that might be the best that he could reasonably be expected to do with Mitchell Robinson hanging at the rim, especially when you take into account that like the last 20 games have been dramatically or not dramatically, but I'd say substantially different than the first 20 games, 3% better, but 3% at the rim is is a lot when everyone is kind of like within seven percentage points of each other. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And I, I just got to say, if if Randall is getting credit for the the ones that he misses and then puts back. I want to petition that we rename those mellow assists because that was always the mellow move was <laughs> to miss it, get your own rebound, pop right back up to put that in. But yeah, I'm with you, Gavin. And it, you know, I, I think all these stats paint sort of a, an interesting picture of RJ. And I think that we should take our last break real quick, having laid all of our cards on the table here and take a look at where we're at a little over halfway through this season as far as how we value R.J. Barrett in the final year of his rookie deal, about to go into his uh, his rookie extension, which was very much talked about in the offseason for some reasons that we'll, we'll remind everybody of in just a second. But uh, let's take our final break, and then we'll come in and we'll, we'll take the big picture discussion and, and start talking through some stuff with R.J. All right, we're back in to finish up our discussion here. And... All right, Gavin, I'm just going to throw it out there right away. Let's just start heavy. You know, there's there's one surefire easy way to assess someone's value right now on the Knicks, 
and basically will be throughout this whole season uh, based off what went down in the offseason and everything else. My question to you, Gavin, is there any remorse on your end over the fact that Leon Rose chose to extend RJ, uh, which effectively took him out of a Donovan Mitchell deal? Do you have any remorse over not including him in a Mitchell deal at this point in the season? Uh, maybe maybe this is a cop out, but I- I- impossible to say without knowing what else was in there, right? Like if yeah. it's R.J. Emanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes and three picks, nah, not at all. I, mm-hmm. I that's too much, right? Or the, the rumored the, R.J. Mitch and like four first round picks or whatever. Yeah, Obi. I mean, M- Mitch is like I, I don't, I don't, I to be clear, I do not believe Mitchell Robinson is a better player than Donovan Mitchell is. There are impact stats that suggest he's having a better season in some ways. I'll I'll, I'll throw that out there. Um, but. Nah, I mean, I think, I think this Knicks team—it's it, so clear to me they are—they are very much the sum of their parts. And I—I I don't know. Do you like? What do you like? This is like a way of flipping the question away from R.J. Barrett. But what do you think their record would be? Let's just say that the trade was R.J. Grimes, Obi, just to just to give three names, and then they still had um, like a, a lineup of Brunson, Mitchell, um, insert small forward to be named later, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. Like maybe it's Evan Fournier, maybe it's Cam Reddish in that spot. Like maybe in this world he keeps a spot. Emmanuel quickly still playing 30 minutes off the bench. Like, like in my mind, their record is essentially the same as it is now. Maybe it's a little bit better, but you we've seen it. The Knicks are like roughly as good as the Cavs so far this year, and the Cavs have three all-stars around him. So what do you I mean, what do you make of that? Yeah, I I'm kind of with you that like they're definitely this team is found this weird gear almost like two years ago where they're they're definitely playing greater than the sum of their parts i feel like and you know maybe saying that is slightly disrespectful to any of the the uh quote-unquote mid three you know and the impacts that they've had if if you have brunson still taking the leap that he does if you have randall still assuming the role that he does even with a mitchell on the team do i think that mitchell has been definitely better than RJ this year so far? Yes, for sure. Do I think that he has been necessarily better than than RJ, as you said, like Grimes and like Obi, plus all that future draft capital that you're giving up on guys to put around them? Like, would he be that much better over the like four years or whatever of all those first round picks that you're giving up? I don't think so. I, I think I'm at a place where I feel pretty good about that. And But this is where it gets really tricky with trying to evaluate RJ, right? Like, I think it's pretty obvious and we would both be in agreement right now. He is not, I would say, yeah, even a lowercase s star. Uh, He's like right on the cusp. Like, I feel like if he could consistently do what he's doing these last 20 games, keyword on consistently, then maybe he starts finding himself slotted in like that Chris Middleton tier, you know, where he's like, not quite an all-star, but is a reliable 20-point-per-game scorer that is versatile, that can pass the ball some, you know, whatever. Like, I think that's sort of the tier that we might see him in in his career if he can just kind of maintain this. But then it's like, how do you value him going forward? Like, is he the guy that you you think about dangling to get that, like, actual, like, capital S star? Uh, is there a, a guy that you could do that where – where, you know, if RJ has to be just piece one of that deal, are you by default kind of going to get ripped off in that deal? Because RJ's like not quite good enough to throw out there as like a a marquee uh, guy in the trade, but also 
you know, like require basically meaning he'll require you to give up like some other pieces to get that like capital S star. But then with how good the depth is of the Knicks, is it going to kind of screw things up? I, I feel like every RJ discussion when it comes to his value just kind of ends up coming back to the big picture of like, it, it has to become a full team discussion then, because it's like, no matter what, if you're going to make some sort of big swing trade like that, you're going to have to do that. Are they maybe better off just waiting it out with him and some of these other guys and seeing how things go? Because I think things are going pretty good at the moment. Uh, so I, I think it would take a really special type of player for me to be like, yes, I would entertain the idea of trading RJ Barrett plus a couple pieces right now because of how good not just RJ, but every young player on the team is playing right now. Yeah, I think it's I, I just think it's so much about who the guy is, right? Because it's, it's really it's like it's like, how good are we with what we have left? Like, it, it's not it's not really about the opportunity cost because once once RJ is gone, like he's. He's gone, I guess. And 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 sure you can like look back and be like, oh well, well I mean, like if RJ was gonna be as good as this guy anyways, but I, I guess I'm only looking at it as like, all right, if we get this guy, like are we a borderline title contender or are we one like feasible move away from being a title contender? And the answer with Donovan Mitchell, I think we we kind of agreed was probably not. Like maybe, like, but does like if Mitchell was here, like would Jalen Brunson still be doing what he's doing to the same extent? Like maybe sort of like Darius Garland still is, but I think those two are kind of a cleaner fit just because of Garland shooting, though Brunson improved in that capacity. Like you can talk yourself into circles with all this stuff. For me, like in terms of RJ's value in a vacuum, it's kind of the one element of his game that we haven't touched on yet. And that's his three point shooting, because I feel pretty good about the at the rim stuff. I feel pretty good about the short mid range stuff. Um, his defense is a very open question mark, but I, I just can't help but feel he's going to top out at, as average. His playmaking, which we, we didn't really touch on, is, I, I think, dramatically improved the last 10 to 12 games. And I'm, I, I think there's still times where he has total tunnel vision. And like it kind of scares me that he misses some very intuitive, simple passes that I think would, would make this offense a lot more coherent. But he's been making some spectacular passes. And, and early this season, he was missing every one of those simple passes. Now it's like one out of three times he doesn't make it. Um, so I am on the whole really encouraged with that. I, I think the question is like, is he a 28% three-point shooter like he was at the beginning of this year? Is he a 40% three-point shooter like he's been for the past 21 games? Or is he 37% on pretty decent volume? I think if it's 36 or 37%, He's he's someone you really want to keep around and he's going to make a couple of all star teams. If, if he's more like 32, 33 percent, I think it's more of an open question. But he, he just you just need him to be consistent from there, I think, more than anything else for him to work out offensively. Yeah, I think I think one last thing that I think bears considering for a lot of the guys on this team is how much will the. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some people are going to get annoyed that I'm framing this as inevitability, but how much will Tom Thibodeau's successor be able to unlock in RJ Barrett someday? Like, I think that Tibbs has done a good job of getting what he has out of RJ and overseen some development from him. But I think that I think that RJ's best self is going to be once he once he embraces what you were just talking about, like distributing more and you know, getting his shot selection to like, like 99th percentile, you know, smart reads and everything, you know, like not taking the the bad attempts that sometimes plague him and the tunnel vision that, some, you know, getting a coach that doesn't actively sort of value those things. Like Tibbs definitely loves ISO players and loves players that go get their own shot. And he, I think he, in some ways kind of loves when guys get tunnel vision sometimes. So like, 
will another coach unlock that that new point of RJ uh, and sort of refine him into the best version of himself? I guess we'll see. You know, it might take a little more polish or whatever. Um, but I, I will say that RJ, I think sometimes in terms of his development, falls sort of into that Randall category as far as Tibbs is concerned, where it seems like he's willing to overlook some of the bad tendencies sometimes and still like RJ essentially has his stamped guaranteed 30 plus, you know, 32 plus whatever minutes per night. Uh, I wonder how much a new coach might eventually influence that down the line, but that's a down the line question. Of course, you got to get that far um, as far as, you know, RJ potentially being included in, in some star deal or something at some point, which obviously the Knicks were at least entertaining this past summer. Um, and perhaps would still entertain again this coming summer or beyond. So it's going to be an intriguing saga for RJ, but um, I, I, he is the guy that I feel most inclined to do these sort of statistical check-ins with because he really, at his best for some of these quarter-season stretches or longer, really looks like a burgeoning star sometimes. And I think that ultimately all these questions come down to we're going to just need to see all this out of him more consistently. Uh, the best parts of him are going to have to shine through more consistently one way or the other, whether it's to eventually make it more enticing to get some established star or whether it's to just watch him blossom into one himself. We're going to need to start seeing some more consistency from him. And hopefully we're on our path towards that as we often are at this stage of the season with him, as we've seen for the last three years. Uh, and I guess you could even say his rookie year too. Um, Hopefully we're in a point where we're just going to, it's going to be nothing but good from here. I, I think the good news is he caught fire earlier this year than he did last year. So if he keeps this up, that's 60 games, a good play. And that I like, who knows, maybe, maybe beginning of next year, we'll have the same thing and be like, Oh, he caught us again. Um, and we're having like those nightmare conversations that we were having. Like I did a whole podcast with Jonathan Macri being like, all right, what's, what's the deal? Like, are, like, should we be like really, really concerned at this point? And I was like, it was, like it's hard to overstate how bad he was at the beginning of this year. And like, and by the same token, it's hard to like say like he's played like anything other than like a, a borderline all-star, at least on the offensive end of the floor the last 20 games. So maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle, but my gut instinct is it's like it's 90 to 95% of this. And maybe, maybe it is just this going forward. And and if he's that guy, then I mean Knicks fans have nothing to worry about with RJ Barrett. Like it's to your point, it's only only positive from here on out. But That'll wrap up this one. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed. We'll be back with a game recap tomorrow to wrap up the week. But until then, he's Alex Gavin. We'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Peace out. <laughs>